Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is the occult? Alchemy, magic, duality. Light and dark, black and white, reconciling the opposites of the Baphomet. Theosophy. The hero's journey, initiation in the alchemical process. Apotheosis. Deathly Hollows. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the apotheosis of Mr. Harry Potter. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In a few moments, you will pass through these doors and join your classmates. Keep an eye on the staircases. They like to change. Good afternoon, class. Welcome to your first flying lesson. Stick your right hand over the broom and say up. Oh, uh. Wow. Wicked. Mr. Potter, our new celebrity. Understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good. I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. I think it is clear that we can expect great things from you. Uh-oh, it's magic. Yes, today we're going down the rabbit hole with a shovel in hand to destroy and sacrifice the sacred cow that is Harry Potter. Join as we enter into the mouth of madness. This is years in the making. I've been talking about Harry Potter for years. Uh, mostly because I didn't bother to watch the movies. I didn't like them. But this last year, something new happened, something exciting. I picked it up at the third movie and plowed right through them. Uh, the movies are actually pretty good. The, the, the books, I tried to read the books, couldn't get into the books. Got the audio book, the audio books are great. Uh, so with that being said, I read the first book, but that is it. I watched all the movies, just to be transparent here. 
I don't have the time to read all these books. Uh, I got what I needed from experts in the field, from a bit of online research, and we're going to break down the entire Harry Potter series. This is going to be a lot, folks. So turn on, tune in, wake up. Let's do this. But first, but first, we got to do a little housekeeping. Uh, as you know, I've been campaigning for you to drop those reviews on iTunes. I'm not going to shut up until we hit 1,000. So shout out to those that have been doing that. Parajunkie, Mr. John Punisher, Tony Onava, One Love, Slamerican, Doug5959, You Should Try CrossFit, 907 Ladyweed, Sesquis. Ironically rambled about how I rambled too much. Jay Bonzes, Tony Geo 79 Keeks, John Vines, Hockey0284, Will wants to get on the Patreon team. Can't blame you. That's where all the winners are. Patreon.com backslash Illuminati Watcher. Ninja gets it. Fisher. Mr. D. Friedman. One star. Oof. Moose Knuckle. Big Dog Drew. KS Abbey. One star. Vonnie D. Give me a one star. Dave the Dragon likes the cheese too. The Chihuahuas that is. And dogs be barking sometimes. Spruce to the Rooster is on the Patreon. What up? Big Daddy J. Christina Kitty. Kimmy Mac. Juggalo Joe. And uh, you Cylon. Uh, but yeah, thanks for all the reviews. And keep dropping them. I'm reading all of them. But once I get to 1,000, I'm not going to read them anymore. Because <laughs> I get some one stars, as you've heard. So if you like the show, drop a nice little review. Drop a little five stars. If you don't, drop the one star. I don't really care. I just want to get to 1,000. No, I do care. Uh, I aim to please here. So as you know, this is a show that's been in the refinement process for years. And you know my story. Podcasting was never my thing. Writing, blogging, YouTubing, those were my things. But they took that away, and here we are. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to get into Harry Potter. I'm not going to ramble. I know you don't like the ramblings. First, we're going to start with a, uh, a tale. A tale for you. Uh, it was a dank, humid midsummer day in Orlando. As Mrs. Weishop and I traversed the brick-laden path called Diagon Alley. We had just finished a video ride through the subterranean Gringotts Bank, a cavernous effort that left us nauseated from thrashing to and fro. Not being familiar with the entire scope of Harry Potter's universe, both of us found ourselves intoxicated by the magical recreation that lay before us. Maybe it was the butter beer, maybe it was Orlando's 100% humidity swamplands, but I find myself immersed in a world that was both inviting and intriguing. I proclaimed, we really do need to watch all these Harry Potter movies. I don't know why I found them so dull. Previously, we had seen the first film in the theater amidst much hype. While we didn't find it exciting as adults, we did allow ourselves to keep up with the anticipation for the second movie. The second film released, and that is where we tapped out, because it just felt too juvenile, and you know my stance on movies if they're longer than 90 minutes. It's got to be worth it, and it was not. After abandoning hopes of catching on to the uh, Harry Potter fan base, then you got to put yourself in perspective here. I'm going to break from my my uh, great novel here. Uh, to put things in perspective, I was about, I don't know, 22 when the first Harry Potter movie came out in the theaters. So it wasn't for me. Not meant for me. So as you hear my analysis, I'm going to be trashing Harry Potter uh, but, and I'm, I'm, I do it lovingly, of course, but just know that I fully acknowledge this entire series, this show, this story was not meant for me. I am way too old for it. 
uh, it missed my generation, right? I had other forms of brainwashing many years prior, so... Uh, yeah, this film and this series wasn't meant for me. It's for people, uh, I think the millennials, maybe. This is the first of the millennial uh, propaganda series we could talk about. But anyway, let's get back to it. After abandoning hopes of catching on to the Harry Potter fan base, we happened to be near Orlando, so we checked out Universal's Harry Potter World. The ambiance was incredible because we were doing the tour of Ollivander's wand shop when a thunderstorm rolled in and crushed the village with thunder and lightning. I could literally see lightning bolts striking all around the Hogwarts castle on the hill. An amazing experience I imagine Harry Potter fans would have appreciated even more so than I. Several years later, I attempted to read the books and rewatch the films, but I still didn't get it. It wasn't until 2019 when we decided to start the third film, not the first one. Because we'd previously seen the first two films at least three times in an attempt to build the inertia to watch the entire franchise. We became consumed with the story and finished the entire series within a couple of weeks. In fact, when we watched the final two Deathly Hollows films, we were visited by a thunderstorm not so different from the one in Orlando. A peculiar circumstance that didn't go unnoticed. I say all that to say this. The entire Harry Potter world is a prime example of occult influences being hidden in plain sight. They make no qualms about the ceremonial magic, alchemical processes, and occult doctrine present throughout the entire story. Most would look at the Harry Potter tale and say it's all in good fun, which it is. But we have to keep sight of the higher purpose, fulfilling the visions of the many occultists who've been prophesizing about the new age of Aquarius. So today, I painstakingly took notes on all the films, on all the characters. Well, maybe not all the characters. There's a lot of characters in this uh, Potterverse. And I'm going to tell you how this relates to the occult doctrine, how this fulfills the mission of so many occultists before us, Aleister Crowley, Helena Blavatsky, Jack Parsons, Werner von Braun, Konstantin Soykowski, the list goes on and on. This Little Harry Potter is quite the devil. So, uh, before we break down the symbolism in Harry Potter's world, I would like to briefly cover a couple of ideas about the occult doctrine. Because not everybody listening to the show has a uh, the same foundation, right? So we're going to go deeper into the connections where, uh, where relevant to Harry Potter. But it'll help facilitate an understanding of what we are in for. Uh, So let's get into it. The occult doctrine. What is that? Well, that means hidden, of course, in Latin. The occult doctrine was hidden from the masses, you, me, us, for several centuries. It arguably started with Pythagoras around 500 BC when he started the Pythagorean Brotherhood. This was the first secret society. He formed this by synthesizing the mystery teachings in uh, Egypt and Babylon and Greece and so on. And these fused beliefs were taken to various philosophers, various teachers in the early days, secret societies and priesthoods from the pagan world, such as we would find in, of course, Greece, Rome, and Egypt. Now, when Christianity was adopted and uh, declared the official religion of Rome, ancient Rome, the occult doctrine was forced underground. And from this point, 
it fractured into various orders and groups. And uh, now we see these these topics, these philosophies, these doctrines. You've heard of them before. Hermeticism, Kabbalism, Neoplatonism, Rosicrucianism, and of course, Gnosticism. And we're going to talk about all these things throughout the show. And don't worry, I'm not going to make it too boring. If you're <laughs> if you're worried, if you're like, oh brother, here we go, here we go with the big words. I'm going to keep it real light and entertaining for you. Now the Gnostics, who are they? Well, they believe the human soul descended from the world of light into darkness. The material world to them was truly evil, so the practitioner is obliged to find their way back to the light source through various practices. Some would say that Jim Carrey in The Truman Show is a Gnostic tale. He is in a prison, so to speak. Of course, the uh, a film's a giant film set for a reality show. Spoiler alert, sorry. But he um, he's in a prison, and he breaks free. He goes back to the light. Now, the manipulation of matter, that comes up a lot in the Harry Potter universe and, of course, in the occult doctrine because that is the alchemical process that, on the surface, is seeking to convert lead into gold, but it has a much higher purpose than that, okay? It's very similar to that Gnostic idea of reconnection to the light, to the divine source. Alchemy is intended to spiritualize matter, and that is the belief that there is a key to the soul's release and reintegration with God. In other words, the initiate may become something greater by contacting the divine light. What is it this initiate can become? Well, I think you already know. The initiate, the man or woman, can become God. That's what it's all about. Apotheosis. That's what little Harry Potter goes through. Oh, and by the way, spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen Harry Potter, uh, I'm going to blow it all out the water. If you didn't already know that, you know that. Come on. I'm just trying to be fair. Now, the terms magic, spelled with a C, and then there's magic, spelled with a K. M-A-G-I-C-K, or sometimes M-A-G-I-K. Two different things, okay? They both come from the same root, though. The root of the word is to be able, to have power. But magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C, is intended to uh, reference stage magic. David Copperfield and such. By the way, do you believe he? Do you believe that that story that robbers tried to rob him and his his lady friends down in Vegas, and he pulled a sleight of hand and tricked them into taking the wrong wallet or something like that? I don't believe that at all. That was a few years back. Look that up. I don't. I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't have more on that. I just. I that story was stuck out in my mind when I heard David Copperfield, and I think, man, that's that's fake news. If I ever heard fake news, trying to sell tickets. Like, oh, David Copperfield's walking out of his show without security at the end of the night? Get out of here. Anyhow, let's get back to it. Uh, magic. Now, the magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, has the K at the end. Why? Oh, why, Isaac, would they put a K at the end? Well, they, Alistair Crowley himself did this. He took the 11th letter from the alphabet, K, and added it to differentiate it from stage magic suggesting that the 11th number is the number of magic in itself. That's what he said. 
And we're going to come back to this number 11. It shows up in the story. Can you believe that? 9-11. That's right. There's a 9-11 reference in the Harry Potter universe. You're going to have to listen to all of my uh, analyses because I think it happens near the end, if I'm not mistaken. But it is also considered the sacred numbered par excellence of the new Aeon. Because Aleister Crowley, if you didn't know this, he was prophesizing of the new age of man. He thought he was this great synthesizer of the occult doctrine, and he was here to bring about the new age, the new Aeon, what he called the Aeon of Horus. And the number 11 is the sacred number for that. It's also called the age of the crown, excuse me, the crown and conquering child. Appropriate, right? Given the subject at hand with young uh, children's Harry Potters and such. Now, for the sake of time and sanity, I will not be rehashing the entire story of Harry Potter in this analysis, just to let you know. Instead, I will assume the listener has some level of basic familiarity well, uh, of Harry Potter, but I'll give a small enough background on the story such that even if you've never read or paid attention to this stuff, uh, you'll get what I'm saying. But we're going to weave through the concepts from Harry Potter's universe, uh, covering the occult themes like alchemy, magic, duality, the initiation process, the characters, and finally, of course, the ultimate goal, the apotheosis of Harry himself. So strap in. Here we go. Now, first, we're going to talk about the occult religion, how it shows up in this story. I mean, in fact, just to let you know, I broke this analysis up into different sort of chunks, and I will give you those chunks as we get into them. Uh, this isn't going to be a sequential analysis where I'm going to be like, okay, well, starting in the first movie, he does this, you know. Uh, the only time we're going to hit a sequential sort of analysis is at the end when we talk about Deathly Hollows Part 1 and 2 because we're going to talk about the apotheosis. And uh, it's kind of important. But first, we're going to talk about the occult religion. This story, this whole story, okay, is about Harry's journey of self-discovery. This is, of course, the archetypal quest of answering the question, Who am I? Now, given Harry is living under the stairs in the home of adoptive parents, it seems he has no clue about his origins. Who is he? He doesn't even know. And the viewer joins in on this ritualistic journey of Harry Potter's individuation, making Carl Jung a very happy man. Now, the main staple of Harry's quest for knowledge is, of course, this practice of magic, something previously practiced by, uh, I don't know who, Satanists, witches, pagans, the world's most wickedest man, Aleister Crowley. And the public revelation of the method occurs here when the viewer realizes that a wizard named Voldemort is the one who's truly evil in Harry's new world. Right? That makes sense. You, Of course, in every story, you've got a good and bad. And in this story, Voldemort is the bad. He is the evil. This is a man so evil that the magicians refuse to utter his name. Instead, they proclaim... Uh, they're they're uh, proclaiming him as he who must not be named. And you, in fact, you hear uh, Dumbledore. He's the the hermetic character, the the graybeard, who speaks the real life magical truth. He says to Harry Potter, "Call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself." Now you have to understand that magic names are a real thing that happens. 
Uh, when one becomes a witch, they take on a new name to show their level of commitment. This can be used to protect one's privacy. It can also be used to employ the archetypal energies from the name itself. Because in the world of magic, these these uh, these practitioners, they're calling upon gods and goddesses and entities and demons and angels. And they're trying to gain power from these entities. The magician stands in the circle, conjures the entity into the triangle, that triangle of manifestation. And if if you're a Harry Potter fan, you're putting you're doing the math in your head right now. You're saying, wait a minute, Isaac, a circle, a triangle. That's what the Deathly Hollow symbol is. That's right. And don't you worry, we're going to cover the Deathly Hollow symbol. There's a it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, but yeah, so they, they channel the entity into the triangle and they sort of bargain with it and barter with it, try to gain energies and knowledge from it. That's what it's all about. So, of course, they would set their names up to uh, match energies with gods and goddesses. Some would go as far as to write their name in Theban script. That's a Middle Age script. Uh, Damien Eccles from the West Memphis Three. Convicted of murder. Documentaries say that he's innocent. I don't know. I wasn't there. But he for sure is a Crowley acolyte. Conducting magic incantations from his jail cell. And one could argue that he manifested his own reality. He manifested the uh, the way to get out of prison. Thus, Dumbledore plays out the hermetic enlightenment role by explaining to Harry Potter how this whole occult world goes down. Because when he says that you use the proper name for things, he wasn't making that up. That's legit uh, Magic 101. Now, aside from the ritual magic, the occultism could also be expressed from a few core systems. We've got Neoplatonism, we've got Gnosticism, and of course, Capitalism. In the film, you can see the Neoplatonism ideas uh, because like Hogwarts, that's a school that is akin to Plato's Academy where the practitioners, the initiates, they were taught that there is a world beyond our five senses. Sort of like the Plato uh, allegory of the cave, if you're familiar with that. And uh, because the, the, the prisoners were in the cave, they saw the shadows from the fire, and they thought that was the whole world, and uh, whatever, right? You get it. Same idea you see in The Matrix. There's a lot of parallels to The Matrix in Harry Potter. Because, again, it's all the same thing. Now, this is exemplified when Harry and his friends go through the pillar at the train station, and Plato... Because, because for them to go through that pillar, they have to understand there is a world beyond what these senses tell us. Because if you're not a true believer, you can't access that hidden realm. And Plato referred to our mundane world as the, the world of being. And that everything we experience through these five senses is just a reflection of eternal patterns existing in the world of being. Now, when speaking about an illusory world, we have to point out the influence of Gnosticism. The Gnostics believe that the human soul descended from the world of light into a realm of darkness. Where is this darkness? Well, you're standing in it right now. It's our world, the earth. And this material world is a prison. 
And you'll hear a lot, you'll hear a lot of conspiracy theories uh, talking about this, like with the simulation universe theory. It's become a very popular theory about the world we live in being a prison. And, uh, you know, I don't subscribe to that, personally. Do I have perfect evidence? No. But I think you look around at the beauty of this this planet. The birds in the air. The water. The trees. The mountains. How can you deny the existence of a perfect God that created this world? Now, this material world to the Gnostics is a prison because we are trapped by the evil God who created it. And they refer to this evil God as the Demiurge. Which, of course, you got to invert everything in the Gnostic world. The Demiurge, the evil God, is actually the Christian God. The, the gray-beard God in the clouds. They think he is an evil God who put us on earth in, as a prison. And humanity can only find salvation by rising above matter, rising above the three-dimensional world, and descending up and beyond it. And this can be done through the enlightenment of occult philosophies, alchemy, magic, astrology. All these things lead to the initiate being reborn after connecting with the divine. And, uh, spoiler alert, Harry Potter does in fact get the rebirth after he connects with the divine before this is all said and done. Now, one more connection we have to consider here is that in the first book of Harry Potter, we learn of a letter that he receives from Hogwarts. And what is on this letter? Well, there's a lion, an eagle, and a snake on the seal, which is, of course, symbolic of the different houses in the academy. But curious enough, the Gnostic Demiurge, the the uh, the evil god, is the Christian god, is personified as a lion-headed snake. And the eagle, the eagle is symbolic of the alchemical transformation, uh, typically shown as a phoenix, but they're interchangeable. According to Manly P. Hall, if you read through the secret teachings of all ages, that is why the American bird is the eagle. This is a country of alchemically transformed folks. Now, along Harry Potter's journey, we discover the his superpowers. He's got the Ubermensch. He's the Ubermensch. Fulfilling all of Helena Petrovna Blavatsky and Adolf Hitler's fantasies of seating the Superman of pure-blooded occultists. The, um, the, the nihilist philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, he infamous, infamously wrote about the Ubermensch as the embodiment for the death of God. So when we look at the overall timeline of the religious push on the masses, you can see how science and atheism has in fact gained a strong foothold in recent times. And the logical conclusion to that is to support nihilism and the belief that there truly is no purpose, no reason for our existence, thus the death of God. If you're like me, you're a sucker for mysteries, true crime, and once you put me back into a period piece with those old flapper 1920s era time frame, you got me. I'm all yours. So let me tell you about this game called June's Journey. We're going to escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance as you immerse yourself into the world of June's Journey, a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Play as June Parker and investigate 
beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s while uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder with hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles. The next clue is always within reach. Now, one thing I like is that it sharpens your vision to look for objects. In case I I ever make it on uh, one of these reality contest shows, I got to harness my puzzle my puzzle skills and my visual acuity and and i I learned what a pavilion (laughs) when i was playing the game i learned what a pavilion was it's it's basically a gazebo i didn't know that so i'm learning all right in each level you search for hidden objects in new york parlors or or uh, paris sidewalks trying to figure out this scandalous family secret of how june's sister died it's got some mystery it's got some danger it's got some romance I got the game on my phone right now, and I'm on chapter three, and I'm looking for clues on this crime scene photo because we're gonna we're gonna figure out who did this, and you're gonna love it. They play real like mad chill music, so it's kind of relaxing too. You get to customize your little luxurious estate with gardens and buildings and such. So look, if you're into detective work, solving clues, finding clues, scandalous family secrets. Uh, you just want a fun little escape from the dreaded day job or whatever. This is your game. I enjoy playing it at the end of the day when I'm chilling in bed trying to unwind because it's just a nice little escape kind of game for me. And not only that, poor June, she needs my help to figure out how her sister died. And guess what? June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And, of course, the destruction of religion, which has been the occultist goals. If you read through any of their literature, they're very clear about it. Not bashful. Now, since that's a pretty bleak existence, man would need to find some form of spiritualism. Because, for whatever reason, in our DNA, that's what we do. So what does that lead to? Well, the occult spirituality that is present in the entire Harry Potter saga. The pitfalls of all these ideas have already been explored. Uh, Because look at Adolf Hitler's Nazi party seeking the Superman of the pure Aryan blood in accordance with H.P. Blavatsky's teachings. Now the fact that author J.K. Rowling released a book called Harry Potter, A History of Magic, that should tell us that she also wasn't bashful about the occult inspirations for this tale. The school the magicians attend is called the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. But you'll notice that the term witchcraft doesn't make it into the films. Uh, not in the same manner it does in the books. And at this school, the students learn all about the superpowers like talking to snakes and the necromancy. The ceremony dating back to the pre-Christian era is the art of reviving the dead. Most dangerous of all the occult rituals that requires involvement with evil spirits by the person performing the act. Success in the ceremony will result in the death of that person, or he or she must adhere to the ancient rule. A life for a life. 
and you'll see all these elements of occult concepts like animism, which is a belief that all objects will have some form of spiritual life force within them. Uh, from, from hats to wands to port keys, all the objects in the Potterverse have some form of spirit residing in them. That is, of course, animism. And this is, of course, a slippery slope to monism and pantheism, which is what got uh, Giordano Bruno fried at the stake. In fact, panpsychism is also very similar in its beliefs. Uh, they believe that our universe is one entire connected consciousness of God. I'm sure you've heard this before. It's in every New Age documentary you see. The global consciousness connected as one. Quantum physics is trying to support that as well. And look, I'm not here to tell you what's right and wrong. I'm just here to tell you what's happening, okay? You believe what you want. Uh, Konstantin Soykovsky, he was, of course, the first ancient astronaut. He subscribed to this in The Will of the Universe, which would inspire tales of science fiction and space occultists of the early 1900s. And if you want to read more about how that all happens, uh, why he was the first ancient astronaut, theorist, uh, read The Dark Path. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Audible. I narrated it myself. Check it out. You're going to love it. Now, the magical alphabet of the German pagans also makes an appearance in this tale. Runes. You've seen runes. Well, they were believed to contain magical properties. Thus, we see a character named Sirius Black covered in these things. He's covered in... He's ratter-tattered up with the runes. And Harry Potter... He goes much harder. He goes harder than Sirius. He, uh, in true millennial fashion, goes in with the face tat. He's got the lightning bolt tattoo on his face, uh, which we're going to talk about later. But the symbols we see on Sirius Black, he's got Saturn on the right peck, which is, of course, an important concept for the occultist. Uh, they try to seek to understand the adversary planet. This is the other. It's an archetype. And it represents antinomianism. It represents destroying the uh, current structural social norms. Saturn embodies this as the sixth planet from the sun, believed at one time to be the furthest planet in the early solar system, which is where you arguably get 666 from. Sirius Black also has a tattoo of what resembles the psychic cross, and this cross has three horizontals and it was designed by Genesis P. Oridge as part of a thing called the Temple of Psychic Youth. What was that you ask? Well, it was a movement to use chaos magic communes around the world to focus energy and do common desired results. Manifesting reality through the will of the practitioners. My goodness. Magic, magic, magic. Sirius Black is also a name we need to consider as well. Seeing as how it is quite important to the big agenda. Because Sirius is a star constellation that the Freemasons adore. They called the Blazing Star. Aleister Crowley also had much respect for it. He called it the sun behind the sun. Meaning it is a source of hidden occult energy. And his uh, initiation magic group called the Silver Star was actually named after, you guessed it, Sirius. Now Kenneth Grant, who is an acolyte of Crowley... Uh, also said that Sirius was the source of Crowley's Thelemic Current, 
which makes sense in Harry Potter's world because it's all about ushering the new age, the A out of Horus and magical representations and drawing in Crowley's Thelemic Current. Uh, and a little background, if you don't know what I'm talking about with Thelemic Current, uh, Crowley talked to a demon named Awaz, and Awaz whispered in his ear the Book of the Law, and <laughs> and uh, I'm using a little bit of hyperbole, but not really. But he he was doing all these magic tricks over there in Egypt, and a demon talked to him, and he created a religion based off that called Thelema. And uh, yeah, that's Sirius was the source of the Thelemic Current, which of course. Uh, Harry Potter is here to bring about the Aeon of Horus. Now, Kenneth Grant, he wrote about this in a book called The Magical Revival, one of several books that were instrumental in the revelation of the method to the masses. Because you got to put things in perspective here. We're talking hundreds of years that these occult ideas were shoved underground. Hundreds. And these occultists have been secretly passing notes. And when the 1900s kicked off, you had like your Blavatsky's and your Crowley's. They started resynthesizing and providing info to the masses. They thought it was time to reveal the truth to the masses. Their truth, of course. Which is a Gnostic truth that the Christian God is an evil God. And that is what we've been experiencing the last hundred years is a push of the occult philosophies through entertainment, which is my entire mission statement, which is why we're talking about Harry Potter. Now, from his book, The Magical Revival, Crowley identified the heart of the Thelemic Current with one particular star. In occult tradition, this is the sun behind the sun, the hidden god the vast star Sirius or Sothis, which opened the zodiacal year of 365 days, as well as the great year of approximately 26,000 years. And then also Kenneth Grant wrote another book called Aleister Crowley, The Hidden God, which is part of this rolling out of the occult doctrine. And then, of course, they pushed it through you know, music industry, Led Zeppelin and such, The Doors. Sounds crazy, but I'm not making it up. Now, one more tattoo we see on Sirius Black's torso is the peace sign, but it's not the peace sign you're familiar with. It's an inverted cross taken from the Germanic rune Algiz, which means life. So if you invert the life rune, then that is what you see on the peace sign. And, of course, Sirius Black's torso, which, what does that mean if you invert life? Well, it means death. So it's ironic that it would find its way onto the peace sign, is it not? But that's what this whole world's about, see? These occultists, they sneak in little symbols and archetypes and twilight language because they're trying to craft and manifest a new world. And according to the teachings of Gnostic Carl Jung, there's a subconscious realm. And this subconscious realm can be whispered to and they can manifest reality from deep within the recesses of our minds. Now, we also see elements of necromancy in the films. We see possession. We see spirit channeling. The occult religion is quite integral to the whole story. In fact, if we look at the history behind the magic wands, we can see how appropriate it is to the film industry. Why do I say that? Well, the wand, besides being a phallic object... 
uh, Harry's just so happens to be made from the holly tree, as many wands are. The holly tree, the holly wood, right? So here we see the real magic behind the Hollywood name, which dazzles the subconscious of the masses with the influence desired by the creators here, the creators of the new world, the new aeon. So in terms of magic, any object could be a tool for the ritual. Uh, oftentimes a ritual knife called an atham, athami, athami, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't do this sort of stuff in my side time. Uh, <laughs> there's a ritual knife, and it symbolizes male energies just the same way this phallus wand does. So, of course, we've got the penis religions because that is part of the occult doctrine. Next, let's briefly cover a little bit on Blavatsky and Blapotsky. Uh, something I found peculiar was this pervasive use of the term madam in the books. They use that to address the female elders. Again, you don't see this in the movie, because I think the books actually reveal more than movies do. But this added more intrigue to this idea that I had in the back of my mind about Helena Platrovna Blavatsky, because she had a lot of influence on this story. And she was, of course, referenced as an alias as Madam H.P. Blavatsky. Okay, so we got that Madam term there, uh, which is not far from the initials of Harry Potter would have... We're calling her Madam H.P. Blavatsky. So we've got Harry Blavatsky. And furthermore, we find out that Harry Potter has a spiritual counterpart, which is a stag, of course, a pagan reference, referred to as his Patronus. And that is very close to Blavatsky's middle name, Petrovna. So you got all these little play on words, right? Now, the Patronus stag is important in the pagan expressions of the horned god. This is a practice utilized by witches and warlocks who celebrate the stag god with his consort, the moon goddess. Because in the story, Harry Potter is the male stag god and his goddess of wisdom, the Sophia, will of course be Ginny. But the horned god is an archetype of male powers for the protector, which is of course Harry Potter. And uh, Sherry Salmon has an entry in a journal called The Quadrant about the Horned God, where the abstract spells out a very clear understanding of Harry Potter's stag spirit. It says, He is the elusive, transformative substance of the psych itself, the adversary and the savior who, with one hand, protects the mysteries from destructive influences, and with the other protects the human psych from contact with what it cannot bear. So there you have it. The... Uh, protection of the mysteries from destructive forces. That is Voldemort. And Harry Potter is here to protect the mysteries because Voldemort wants to, of course, destroy everybody and everything. So our stag god steps in as the horned god to do that, to protect it. He is the protector of the Hogwarts mystery school. Now, another character in the Harry Potter universe is Cassandra Vablatsky. Oh, dear. Very, very similar, very close to uh, Blavatsky, of course. Must have been an inspiration. And this person makes an appearance in the novel Prisoner of Azkaban. And this fictional character is the author of a book called Unfogging the Future. And if one looks on a website for Blavat, uh, you know, 
uh, <laughs> I, I'm getting confused. Helena Blavatsky's Theosophical Society that she started. They even suggest that this fictitious, uh, fictitious novel is a veiled form of Blavatsky's real book, Isis Unveiled. So what we need to do is take we take a look at a book written by Ulrich Romer that I recommend called The Blavatsky Effect. And we can see why Blavatsky isn't necessarily just some mundane, hippie guru, new age spiritualist, okay? I'm really going to scare you here, so, so uh, clutch your pearls. <laughs> In 1918, at age 29... Hitler claimed to hear voices announcing that he was selected by God to be Germany's Messiah. He was later contacted by an ascended master whom he identified as Lucifer. Hitler took what Blavatsky and others taught and made it his own. Kumbi notes, Hitler rightly believed he had established communication with Lucifer from whom he openly coveted possession. It should not be surprising to find that he was led to the secret doctrine that glorifies Lucifer. Because look, that's what this is all about. It's all about Lucifer providing the wisdom, the intellect. And from Blavatsky to Hitler, who studied Blavatsky, they all were into this stuff. It's just the plain truth about it. I know it sounds very <laughs> very right-wingy, conservative, Bible-thumper to say this stuff. Trust me, the irony isn't lost on me. But it's the truth. While I wouldn't put Harry Potter in the same group as Hitler, it does go to show that much further down the line, one could get ensnared in these Luciferian dogmas of Blavatsky. And look, she's not and she's not bashful about worshiping Lucifer. You can see it all through her stuff. Blavatsky based her writings on the myth of Atlantis and Plato's myth of Atlantis. Plato related that the priest of Isis relayed to the poet Solon the ancestry of the Aryan race. H.P. Blavatsky was given the secret doctrine by the masters of wisdom through telepathy, otherwise known as automatic writing. In the same way, Alice Bailey was given the teachings by Joao Cole. They were channeled by spirit entities that posed as benevolent creatures to advance mankind. This source of this book was straight from the pits of hell to put it in a Christian perspective. So therefore, if the priest of Isis gave this information to Solon, it was from the same source because the priest of Isis were nothing more than those that relayed demonic, demonic thoughts and ideas. This is all based on the notion that Atlantis had seven root races. The secret doctrine maintains that seven races originated in Atlantis and that one of the seven were the Aryans. Although there were supposedly six other Atlantean races, Blavowski tells us that the Aryans were the master race or supermen of the Atlantean races. She writes, they did not become supermen by ordinary evolution or mutation. They took a quantum leap upward in order to give them the necessary faculties to live in the post-Diluvian world. While losing some qualities that were coveted such as magical powers over the forces of nature and psychic development, they gained faculties of brain development and superior intelligence over the other surviving races who were supposedly inferior in bloodstock and mental faculties. 
According to Blavowski, Manu, one of the last of the godmen, escorted the Aryan race out of Atlantis because the Aryan race had the capability to evolve into godmen. And uh, I'm going to pull out another quote here. In the last few years of her life, when she finally attained recognition, she was usually in pain and often ill. She was one of the early leaders of the revival of the magical movement in the West. However, her writings make it very clear that she disdained black magic, which is an attempt to influence the free will of another person by use of magical techniques. And again, that's from that the uh, Blavatsky Effect book. Uh, but I'm, what I'm saying is these these um, occultists, they're not, they don't think they're doing anything wrong per se, right? Like they're not out there worshiping Satan and glorifying death and rape and all this crazy stuff, right? They think that we just have it wrong, the masses, that is. But you have to look further down the line of their belief system to see where it ends up. Uh, because it, it goes into this realm of man becoming God, which is what young young Harry Potter is destined to do. Now, the inspiration of Blavatsky was ultimately seeking the wisdom of the ancients and all of the mystery schools of the past, because like I said, they were forced underground for hundreds of years. And what we find is a consistent theme of Gnostic beliefs being rehashed in the name of defeating the evils of the material world from which the false god has imprisoned us. And we're going to take one more look at the Blavatsky Effect book, uh, but it shows links between Harry Potter and the occult, where the material world is viewed with much disdain as an extension of the Abrahamic God, the gray beard in the clouds, and a belief in a superior enlightened group of magicians has a rightful place above the ignorant masses. These are the muggles. That's you and me. So let's read from the Blavatsky effect. This is a longer passage. Uh, so I might take a little breaks here and there to talk to you. Ancient wisdom. What was the ancient wisdom which the theosophist promised to share? It is truly an eclectic compilation of Hindu, Egyptian, Gnostic, and other exotic scriptures and teachings, Neoplatonism, and stories like the Atlantis myth. These are philosophies and stories for those who shake and quiver at the sound of such words as secret, special, spiritual, enlightenment, transformation, esoteric, occult, divine, ancient wisdom, cosmic, vision, dynamics, golden, Isis, mysteries, and masters. They promise escape from the evils of the world, especially the body, while providing an explanation for evil. And, and, and pay attention here, okay? They claim to know that the reason spiritual progress is so slow in coming is because of all this horrible stuff in the universe called matter. Now, that's, I, I highlight that passage because that's what Harry Potter is all about. With The magic is manipulating matter. The prima materia in alchemy. Um, well, in alchemy, they say that you got to remove all the impurities and get down to the base substance. That's the prima materia and rebuild. You have to destroy the world as we know it and rebuild it. Now, they promise the power of divinity while providing an explanation for miracles, which takes them out of the realm of the supernatural and puts the believer into the center of the spiritual universe. They promise union with some great moral purpose while offering membership in an isolated society of very special beings, which is, of course, Harry Potter and Hogwarts, right? Uh, you go to Disney World and they're not 
they're not selling muggle costumes, are they? Nope. Selling wands. Selling phalluses to all the children. <laughs> but, uh... <clears throat> but probably the biggest attraction to joining such an esoteric society is that you don't have to go to college and you don't have to read Kant. What you do need, though, is a penchant for the occult. This is dangerous stuff, according to Blavatsky, but theosophy can help. When ignorant of the true meaning of the esoteric divine symbols of nature, man is apt to miscalculate the powers of his soul. And instead of communing spiritually and mentally with the higher celestial beings, the good spirits, the gods of th the theurgists of the Platonic school, Platonic school, excuse me, he will unconsciously call forth the evil dark powers which lurk around humanity, the undying, grim creations of human crimes and vices, and thus fall from theurgia, white magic, into Goetia, black magic, sorcery. So what is theosophy? Well, according to Madame Blavatsky, no one can be a true occultist without being a real theosophist. Otherwise, he is simply a black magician, whether conscious or unconscious. She even thought that mesmerism and hypnotism were occult arts. Occult sciences are not, as described in encyclopedias, those imaginary sciences of the Middle Ages which related to the supposed action or influence of occult qualities or supernatural powers as alchemy, magic, necromancy, and astrology, for they are real, actual, and very dangerous sciences. They teach the secret potency of things in nature, developing and cultivating the hidden powers latent in man, thus giving him tremendous advantages over mere, more ignorant mortals. So there you go. That's, that's the whole name of the Harry Potter game. Unlocking the hidden powers and giving them advantages over the ignorant mortals. Those are the muggles. That's you. <laughs> that's what they think. Uh, and one last thing. One more theosophical reference worth considering to drive this point home further is in an article by John Algeo titled Harry Potter and the Ancient Wisdom, which spells out the ancient wisdom connections here. The four books in print with three more projected for the series, appeal to the young, both in years and in heart. That appeal is founded on the author's skill as a storyteller, but also on the worldview of the stories, which it may be suggested is compatible with the ancient wisdom. So there you have it. Of course, Blavatsky, she, uh, and the, the Emerald Tablets, this hidden knowledge, these secret teachings passed around under underground in the, uh, Mystery schools, all present in Hogwarts, Harry Potter, and the true initiates, those that read and watch the movies. Alright, alright. That was the conclusion of part one. Part two of this Harry Potter analysis will be released soon. And in that one, we're going to get into alchemy, polarity, duality, and the true origins of that Deathly Hallows symbol, and you will be shocked, shocked, I tell you, to see how clear and in your face it is, this whole Illuminati agenda, because it's right there in the symbol and its true origins, straight from the mouth of J.K. Rowling herself. Then later on, we're going to get into part three. We're talking about Dumbledore's Hermes, Lucifer, Crowley, Minerva. Draco, and of course, the ultimate fulfillment of the occult vision for young Harry Potter and you, the 
And what is that? Well, it's the apotheosis. Man becoming God. And that's what this is all about. So what do you think? Do you like the show so far? Drop that review on iTunes. I'm looking at them right now. There's definitely more listeners than reviews. So I'm talking to you. You can drop that little rating. Drop the review. You don't have to write one up. Just hit the star button on that uh, iTunes. I'm talking about iTunes exclusively. If you got Google, Android, whatever, uh, do it on their system. I don't know what that looks like. I'm in the cult of Apple, so my world is very limited to that. And then if you want to show some real love, some deep, deep love and respect, go to patreon.com backslash Illuminati Watcher. I will give you all the things you've ever wanted, fulfilling all your fantasies. Powers of telepathy, ESP, levitation. It could all be yours. Patreon.com backslash Illuminati Watcher. And until next time, stay woke. Thank you.